Um, but I just want to recap, we've had some amazing preaching by Gabe, um, he's in table view this morning, um, preaching from two kings, he said it's the, it's the series that has no name, so I mean there's no official series that we're in at the moment, um, but he said if you had to be pushed in a corner about what we're preaching on this morning, it would be what to do when you don't know what to do, what to do when you don't know what to do, and I think if I speak for myself, that's been a large part of this year, I just, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go, how, where to push, where to stop, where to start. And he's been giving us some incredible encouragement and um, telling us these stories out of the Bible from two kings. I'm also going to pre be preaching from two kings this morning. And it's these very different situations where people are absolutely desperate. Um, the one is this army that's walked into the desert, they run out of water, this powerful army without water. I mean, they, without the Lord intervening, they will die, basically. A desperate situation. Um, the second one is a widow that's having debt collectors come to her house to take her sons away because she hasn't paid a bill. So for those of us that have been on the receiving end of that, when you don't pay a bill, you could, you, I think we know how it goes. You first get the SMS, and then maybe another SMS, and then a phone call. And you just know that things are, things are escalating here, and these people are not going to go away until you settle the bill. So probably she's had her house taken away, um, and now they're coming to collect her sons, um, to take her sons away. And then a well-to-do woman, they describe this well-to-do, obviously a wealthy woman, has a son that dies basically dies in her arms and is in the room next door. She places him in the room next door and runs to Elisha in desperation. You can just imagine, for those of your parents, it's the unimaginable to imagine your child going through something like that and passing away, just absolutely desperate and cries out to the Lord. So these three very different situations, they, each different situation cries out to the Lord. An army, this widow, this well-to-do woman, and the Lord intervenes through some act of obedience the Lord intervenes and there's a miracle. And just what an incredible testimony that is to God's faithfulness. But this morning, I'm not going to focus on the miracles as much as, as the one who missed it. Um, so just interwoven in these stories. And I would encourage you, uh, two kings, go and read it. It's like, it's, it's like an action movie. There's crazy stuff happening. There's bears mauling people. There's guys getting struck by lightning, 50 people drop dead again. It's, it's crazy within a few chapters. But there's this, there's this guy named Gehazi, Gehazi, depending, depending where you're from. Let's call him Gehazi. Um, and he's, he's sort of, his story is within, it's interwoven within these stories. He's the servant of Elisha. Elisha's He's one of, the, one of the main men there. He is, Elisha is the servant of Elijah. So Elijah's the Chrud Crocodile. He's the big boss. And then you've got Elisha, who's just below him. And then you've got Gehazi, who is Elisha's servant. And they, just reading a bit about it, they say the relationship that Gehazi had to Elisha would be the same kind of relationship that Elisha had to Elijah. So you can imagine this sort of, this these prophets, one handing onto the other, one handing his mantle onto the other, Elisha looking to hand his mantle over, who's going to be the next in line to take, to be the prophet to the nation. And this is what, this is the last thing they write of, of Gehazi, 2 Kings 5 verse 27. He's standing in Elisha's presence. Um, this is the last thing they say. Elisha says to him, leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence with skin. His skin was leprous. It was as white as snow. So basically, the last thing that Elisha says to Gehazi is a curse. He says, you will have leprosy, and your children and your children's children will have leprosy. And that's it. That's where it ends. That's the end of the story. That's the end of his 
That's wherever, that's where they finish his writing. In, in amongst these crazy miracles, obedience, all the odds are against him. These miracles happening. This guy's he's one of the good guys. He's there with Elijah, hanging with Elisha, and this is the last thing that he says to him. So let's pray as we as we go into that. Lord Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. Would you open our hearts? Would you shape us? Would you mold us? Would you show us your face? As we Look at the scriptures this morning as we keep our eyes on you. Would you change us? We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So it's not all doom and gloom. We, we're going we're gonna to go through the valley and we're going to go up the other end. Um, so this Gehazi, just to touch on sort of where he's dealt with within scripture, he's kind of, he's always around. So he's around Elisha. Um, and there's two or three key incidents that where I think it reveal, reveals something about what's going on with him. So the contrast, and it's a striking contrast here between Gehazi's attitude towards Elisha and then Elisha's attitude towards Elijah. And just the difference, the one, for those of us that have read the story, Elisha gets a double portion from Elijah. So in this sense, this, this story ends up with a double portion, this story ends up with a curse. And just to understand why. So they, they talk about Gehazi, he's an interesting guy. Um, with the story of the well-to-do woman, I just mentioned it earlier, she, she had the son that died in as, absolute desperation, leaves the son at her house and runs off to the field to go find Elisha, falls at Elisha's feet. You can, just, you can only imagine this desperate mom pleading with this man of God. This son was basically a promise from Elisha from the Lord to say, I'll give you a son. Now this son's dead. And you can just, she says, why, why are, you, are you teasing me? Are you messing with me? You promised me the son, and now the son's dead, de- desperate at his feet. And Gehazi tries to, tries to shoo her away, tries to say, look, just please le- leave us alone. That's the one incident. Then Elisha says, all right, I w- we need to do something about this son. Sends Gehazi on ahead of him to go and pray for the son. Takes his staff, so he's symbol of authority, goes on ahead of him, sees this dead boy lying on the, on the bed or on the mat, prays for him, and nothing happens. He gets sent by the prophet to go and perform a miracle with his staff of authority and his crickets. Nothing, nothing happens. He prays. He does everything he can do. He prays more. Nothing happens. He basically comes back a bit defeated to say, look, I did everything I could and nothing happens. And then the big boss Elijah goes in there and does his thing and, and raises the boy from the dead. But there's this, there's this, there's this gap um, in that story. And then finally, there's this general of an army, incredibly influential, very senior person. He's, they talk about all his great feats, but he had leprosy. So he had a skin disease. For those of us that have had, I get quite, quite bad eczema. You, you don't play games with your skin. It's, it's the thing that can drive you crazy in your head. For those of us that are here, amen. Um, okay, but to be covered head to, t- head to toe in boils and sores, and in that time there was a lot of shame around leprosy. You wouldn't be able to see, be seen in the marketplaces. You need to be covered all the time. And this general had leprosy. So he's desperate. Basically, don't want to go into all the detail of that, but comes with a, a whole pile of money through gold and silver and clothes. If we estimate, it's about 70 million rand in today's terms, so just in gold and silver and clothes. He comes with this pot of money, first to the king of Israel, eventually gets to Elisha, and Elisha gives him a word, go dip yourself in the river seven times. He eventually does that a bit begrudgingly, but gets there and gets healed of leprosy. You can imagine, it's like, this is it. This, he's 
answers have, his prayers have been answered. And now he wants to give Elisha this money to say, thank you. I mean, he came with this money, sort of, who can help me? What can I do? Cried out to the Lord. And he wants to give Elisha the money. Elisha, being the man of God that he is, turns it down, says, I don't want your money. Away with it. But Gehazi has got other plans. And this, again, reveals something about him. Gehazi tries to exploit the situation. So he goes off. He goes and tries to find find this guy. He says, just, just, just don't leave just yet with all that money. So he goes and says, Elisha sent me. Please, can we come to an arrangement? Gets a whole, doesn't get all of it, but gets some of the money. He's, they said they need two servants to carry back all the gold and silver that he, that he got from him. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on there. And then he gets back home, and you can imagine who's waiting for him. Who's, who's there at the house waiting for him? And he's, he just all that Elisha says, he says, where have you been? I mean, an innocent question. He says, Gazi, where have you been? And he's sort of sitting there with his gold and silver, and his response is, I didn't go anywhere. Of course, I didn't go anywhere. Why, why are you asking? <laughs> nothing, nothing to see here. Um, and that's when Elisha says to him that leprosy will, will come on you and you will, basically you and your kids are, are in for it. Um, so I think just, just uh, there's something in that story that I think reveals, that reveals something about the attitude of Gehazi um, in those circumstances. And I think there's some caution there for us. So basically just want to this morning touch on just three very quick things in terms of where we, I think, and believe we need to be cautious in our hearts, that we need to be cautious and look in our own lives to be careful that we don't let these things creep in, because they creep in and then we act on them, often not, not even knowingly, we act on them and then our lives head in different directions. On one side, we potentially get a double portion, acting like Elisha did. In another way, we maybe end up with a curse, so we end up losing the plot completely. So the first one, I just want to touch, uh, and I'll run through these three things very quickly. The first one is pride. Gehazi does a strange thing. Is well, not strange, maybe understandable. He tries to create a level of separation between him and the woman. So he, this woman is desperate, comes to the prophet and grabs on the prophet's cloak, and he creates separation. He says, "Don't bother us. Just leave us alone." And in, and what he's saying in that is that we are better than you in this circumstance. You are in need, and you are desperate, and we, we are not in this moment. So there is a level of separation there. And I think, we, I think we need to be careful of that in our lives, in terms of who we decide to include and exclude in our lives, who we think that we are better than or not better than. Um, and I, I really, I think, thinking like that, and, and we can often do it subconsciously, but just who has access to your life, who you decide to spend your time with, what you say about people as you're driving, as you go about your life, is, can often be revealing of what's in your heart. And I think we just, to me, there's an there's a important, um, important principle there in terms of what the Lord has, has called us to. And this can be, it can be wealth, it can be have and have not, the poor and the rich. It can be where you stay. That's, we came down from Joburg. That's a big thing in Cape Town. <laughs> where do you live? You know, I, I live in this suburb, and you kind of get judged a little bit on that. I, I don't, it's, I, yeah, it feels like that to me. I got to kind of want to say I stay in a slightly better area than I actually do, just so we can be friends, you know. I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel like I've picked that up a little bit. Um, and I think that's, and that's, that's subconscious things in our, in our culture that are actually very dangerous. I think that can reveal something in our hearts to say, I am better than you for whatever reason. 
And I think we need to be aware of that. C.S. Lewis, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. He says, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. It's not about having something. A great saying, if you want to feel rich, go stay with poor people. If you want to feel poor, go stay with rich people. And it's often like that. It's, it's just about the, the, the root of this thing is in the comparison. It's not necessarily having something or not, or being in need or not in need, or going through something difficult. It's when we start comparing to somebody else. Say, okay, I've got and you don't. Okay, so I'm, I've got the power in this discussion and you don't, or I'll be your friend because I'm being nice to you or not. So I think there's a, there's a warning there. And I think what we do know on pride is the side and humility is on the other side. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. So being less consumed with what's going on in your own head, my little kingdom, what I'm doing, and being able to serve somebody else. So that's a I think that's a nice, important one for us to remember. Pride. Let's be wary of that. The second one is dishonesty. Simple. It's clean. It's not much we can say here. Just to be honest in every situation. And I think it's something that needs to be challenged with. Um, I mean, Elisha says to him, simply, where have you been? Easy question. And he says, I've, I've been nowhere. What, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, so, and that's the challenge is when we are confronted with truth, what do we do with it? Um, Henry Cloud, he gives this great analogy between wise people and, and foolish or wicked people. So he says, when light or truth comes to somebody, a wise person, they change towards the light, towards the truth. So you get confronted with truth in your life through, through the word, through somebody preaching, through a family member. You get confronted with that and you change yourself towards the light. The, a wicked or a foolish person tries to change the light. They, try, they make excuses, say, it wasn't quite like that, or I don't think this applies to me. I don't think this is relevant for my life. Yeah, okay, we'll take that on, but not taking things seriously. And I think we need to, we need to be careful of that too, in terms of when truth comes, how, how do we respond? And that's the test, in terms of how we respond in our own lives. Do we say, Lord, I'll take, I hear what you're saying, I'll take it on and I'll change or as opposed to saying, okay, maybe, maybe the scripture didn't mean that. Let's just, let's just go back and look at the context or try and understand what's going on. There's, a, there's a, a clear, important distinction there between how we respond in that situation. And Gehazi, he responded poorly. He got confronted with the truth, and he tried to change the truth. He tried to say, look, I don't know what you're talking about. So pride, dishonesty, opposite of dishonesty, obviously, is being truthful, being honest in that situation. And then finally, greed. We can say greed and it feels all evil. Like, whoa, greed. I don't have a problem with greed. I'm not a greedy person. So I just want to just, let's just stay on that for a second. Um, so I just touched on this general in the army came, came and met with the people. And he had, he had gold and silver and fine clothes. So I, just, I took, basically took the gold price and the silver price and how much it weighs. Um, but it was more than 70 million rand, 7 zero. So just, just, let's just dwell on that for a second. Because I think when you read the Bible verse, we go, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, obviously we say, no, we don't go after the guy and we carry on with our lives. But I just want to just question you for a second. What would you do with 70 million rand? Hard cash in your bank account. Or maybe we can pack it out here for you. It's been cleared. So there's the, they've spoken to SARS. There's no tax on it. <laughs> Everyone's got the green light. 
the guy's convincing you, he's a general in the army, one of the most senior guys in the country, comes to you and wants to give you a gift to say thank you, urges you to take it, doesn't just say, look, please, ah, I'm, I'm not sure I can do this, but he's urging you, please take this, I've got it, it's yours, take it. But I don't know, would you be able to say, no, it's cool, I don't feel, don't feel peaceful about this. I don't know. My mind starts to race away with me of what I would do with 70 million rand. I, I, I think if you're clever, you probably never need to work again. You could probably put that away and you could live off the interest for the rest of your life. You could buy whatever house you wanted. You could send your kids to whatever university. 70 million rand. Would you, if you didn't feel peaceful about that, would you be able to say no? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would, if I'm, if I'm completely honest. I would need a I would need a clear word from the Lord, this is the wrong thing. I'll take that approach. You know, when, we, when you want to say, Lord, stop me. You know, I need the closed door. I need, a, I need the Lord to give a clear sign it's not. So I just, I want to just challenge you. We read scripture like this and we go, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not a greedy person. But yet something as tangible as that, as, as money, in terms of how we use our money, how we spend our money, how we give our money, are we prepared to give our money away? Are we prepared to be obedient in something as simple as tithing that's, it's a foundational principle, or do we, or do we hold on? I, I just want to challenge you this morning that finances, I mean, Matthew 6, some of us would have heard it before, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Devoted to one and despise the other. You'll either be devoted to money and despise the Lord, or you'll be devoted to the Lord with everything you've got. I think we just need to keep that in mind in how we, how we go about our lives. So it's those, those three cautions, if you want to call it that. Pride, that we would be careful of pride in our lives. Dishonesty, are we able to be truthful in every circumstance? And greed, if we're chasing money, we're going to miss the Lord's plan. The scary thing is you won't even know it. You won't even know you missed it. You'll just make the wrong decision. You'll take the wrong job. You might marry the wrong person. You might leave the wrong person. You might buy the wrong house. You might stay in the wrong area. You might think you're staying in the right area because of the friends that you've got. And you'll miss the Lord's plan. And you, you won't even know it because you're chasing this idol that you aren't even aware of. So I think we need, to, we need to be careful of that. We need to watch that in our lives. Pride, dishonesty, and greed. And the opposite of those, I mean, to look at the good things too, that we have humility, honesty, and we are generous with what, what we do. And I just want to come back to this sort of notion of, of who and what we're serving. I think that's the whole thing. Gehazi, in this instance, he was serving Elisha. So he was serving him. He was giving his, basically giving his life towards this man in terms of he would spend day and night with him. You'd travel with him. You'd eat with him. And, and he missed the boat. Elisha, on the other hand, was serving Elijah. And I'm going to touch on some of those, those examples now, but it's just it's completely different in terms of his attitude towards him how he goes about his daily business, what he does. Um, and for us to be reminded, too, that we are actually serving Jesus Christ in terms of who our master is, who our, who our person is that we are aiming to, that we are, are striving to be close to, to, be, to receive counsel from, to receive mentorship from. It's Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's really as simple and as clean as that. 
that we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that, but it applies in a very real way in terms of what we're doing. And we go through our lives, we go and we've got jobs and we've got families and we've got responsibilities and whatever it is. But in that, we do it as unto the Lord, not as unto a person. And it doesn't actually, I know it's hard to hear sometimes, but it doesn't matter who your boss is in, in, in many circumstances. It doesn't matter doesn't matter if that relationship isn't great at times or sometimes you feel maybe a bit mistreated or whatever it is. You do things as unto the Lord and then the Lord takes care of the rest, actually. So 2 Kings 2, it's this, um, it's this great analogy. Elijah, he's, he's about to wrap things up. He's about to, to leave the earth. He doesn't, doesn't go like the rest of us. We, <laughs> we all get buried. Elijah gets taken up with chariots into, into the heavens. That's the way, the way he ends. Um, and it's this final, sort of the final countdown, just before Elijah's about, Elijah's about to get taken. And Elijah's trying to, he's trying to do his thing. He's trying to carry on with his business and, and get away, actually. He's trying to create some distance. And you can imagine... He was also aware that he was going to be taken up. So this, his life's coming to an end. So it must be quite a, quite a big thing. And he says to Elisha, just give me some space. Give me some, some room to move. And Elisha replies, says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. He says that. And then a few scriptures on, kind of there's a bit more commentary. And then he, he, Elijah again says, please, I'm going to go on ahead of you. You stay here, you take care of the business. And Elisha says again, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And again, a third time, Elisha says to him, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And I think if we translate that to us serving Jesus Christ, I wonder if we, could, if we would be able to say that to him in how we live our lives. Lord Jesus, surely... As you live, I will not leave you. As surely as you live, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will cling myself onto you. And I will get, get that blessing from you, Lord Jesus. And just, I mean, that's crazy. You must go read two kings. Elisha basically, basically Elijah gets taken up into heaven. Elijah says to him, if you see me when I'm taken away, you'll get a double portion of my blessing. And Elijah was... He was the boss. So you can imagine a double portion of that. Things get dangerous. He gets taken up into heaven. Elisha gets it, gets his double portion, gets his cloak. Basically, he walks up to a, to a, a, a water crossing, a dam. He can't get it across. He says, where is this God of Israel? Strikes that and the water opens and he walks across. I mean, this guy's on fire. There's crazy stuff happening. These kids, they, they try and mock him. These youngsters are calling him a bald head. I don't mean a... I've lost a little bit of hair through lockdown, but I mean, that's not the point. But he, he got a bit sensitive about that. Um, and then he, he calls down these bears that come and maul 42 youngsters for calling them bald. This guy's he's on a different planet. Um, and I think just, and that's, it was through his persistence and through his desire to, to know God's will for his life, see God's power in his life, that relentless, that dogged relentlessness to be a part of what God's doing that resulted in him getting the double portion. And I mean, they write in Scripture, I mean, the, the number of miracles that Elijah did is exactly half the number that Elisha did. So, I mean, he got the double portion. He got to see God move in a miraculous way.